Welcome to the Medicare Meetup. I'm Meg Kepke, and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Melissa Cohen. This podcast is brought to you by Arrera Health Group, where Melissa and I are building a mission-driven policy, strategy, and operations practice devoted to making Medicare better. As part of our Listen As We Launch effort, we're meeting with people we know and trust in the field and sharing those conversations with you. Some of the voices will be familiar, but we also hope a few will be new to you. Tune in weekly for fresh content and be sure to tell us what you think. On today's show, we talk with caretaker and humorist Ellen Rittberg, author of Why is Grandma Naked? We're also joined today by the newest leader of our Medicare practice team at Herrera Health Group, Breda Eshelman. Breda, welcome. Thanks, Melissa. It's great to be here. Breda worked with us at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, but she has also worked at an academic medical center, a community health center, and most recently at the Office of Management and Budget, where she was part of the team conducting review and clearance of Medicare regulations on behalf of the Executive Office of the President. Breda, without giving away any non-public information that always goes without saying, what are some things happening in Medicare right now that caught your eye? Well, the Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General just released a report, um, and it says that among nursing home residents, which includes both Medicaid nursing homes and skilled nursing facility residents, all-cause mortality was up 32% in 2020 compared to 2019. And my favorite MedPAC commissioner, David Grabowski, uh, said something along the lines of, you know, we knew this was going to be bad. But even those of us who are experts in long-term care, we're not expecting it to be quite this bad. Breda, that is not good news. But but I'm 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 just want to catch something here. Did you just cite an OIG report and also refer to your favorite MedPAC commissioner? <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, is this our new our new hiring screening question? Like, if you could be any MedPAC commissioner, who would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it 2020 was a hard year. And, you know, another interesting thing related to long-term care in 2020 is that skilled nursing facility admissions were down in 2020, just like the rest of healthcare, but they haven't rebounded the same way that other care settings have. Why do you think that is? I think to some degree it's because CMS issued waivers during the public health emergency that allowed patients to receive a more intense level of care at home than they would typically be allowed to do under Medicare. And so more patients were discharged home after a hospital stay instead of to a skilled nursing facility. I know Anthem was also thinking through how to work with providers in the commercial space on hospital at home. They don't have the same payment regs as Medicare, but usually commercial follows Medicare's lead. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when these waivers expire, what flexibilities stay, what goes. Aging in place is particularly important to today's guest. Meg, do you want to go ahead and introduce her? I'd love to. Ellen Pober Rittberg served as a caregiver to her mother during her mother's final six years of life. Even though she had represented scores of senior citizens in guardianship and mental hygiene cases as an attorney, she quickly found nothing she had learned on the job was of use to her through stressful, weird, and sometimes hilarious situations with her mom. 
Ellen is an award-winning journalist whose essays and features have appeared in the New York Times and HuffPost. Miss Ritberg is also the author of 35 Things Your Teens Won't Tell You, So I Will. But today, we'll be interviewing her about her book, Why is Grandma Naked? Ellen, welcome. We're so glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'll admit that I read your book sometimes um, one page, one paragraph, or one sentence at a time. I I found it that poignant in the humor. Humor sometimes makes things that are hard to face a little easier, and I certainly found that. Well, thank you so much for saying that. I really, I, I appreciate it because I want it to be funny because of the stresses of caregiving, but by the same token, I don't want to be blithe about it and pretend that it's just something you, you can just brush off and be be blithe about because it's really serious. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'm no author, but I think you really hit that mark. It is a blend of why is grandma naked is a blend of humor, of heart for caregiving, and of just real practical lived experience advice. So I'm, I'm going to start with this question. Uh, because I was reading it. And of course, you think about yourself, you think about your own parents. Um, and I was thinking, you know, you write about your experience being a full time caregiver for your mom. But that's not a suddenly one day thing. Um, and I'm wondering if there was a point for you that it crossed over and you knew this is no longer, you know, needing the presence of a child a little bit more in the caretaking. This is this is full on caregiving full time. Yeah, I'd say the first thing that happened was my mother would ask me to um, change a light bulb. And I was actually at my mother's house temporarily. I had no intention of staying there for any length of time. I'd sold my own house. And less than three minutes later, there's mom schlepping out her stepladder and climbing on it, despite the fact that she was very unsteady on her feet. Like, mom, I said I do it. I really did. I felt like I was a teenager and I didn't take out the garbage when mom asked me to. So that was number one, but it was only one number one thing. So what I did was I I hid the stepladder (laughs) until I figured out a way to to spirit it out of the house in a, in a plastic bag, okay? But then there were other things, like, you know, mom at that point was continent, and even though she was in her almost 90s, you know, mom, isn't it time you, you know, go to the facilities, go to the bathroom, and mom would just, you know, not want to, or just slightly not want to, and when you're younger, but not that much younger, you know you have to allow yourself adequate time to walk to the bathroom <laughs> to say that you are still continent. And there was like a little disconnect there. And my mother was a dignified, very serious lady, very shy. She never wanted to embarrass herself. And and not wanting to embarrass herself meant, you know, not asking for things she needed, but she, she got around the world very independently. So that were those two things I would say, something is not really right with mom. You know, those were the two basic things that happened. As you got into caregiving more full time, did you have expectations? Was there some way that you thought it would be? Great question. I really had zero expectations. Um, I was, um, I'm one of three daughters and I would say I, even though, um, I lived equally close to one of my sisters. I was the one that when there was a blizzard and mom's lights would go out and I knew they might go out, I'd drive beforehand, pick her up, bring her to my house. Um, I was already taking mom on vacations. 
um, you know, things like that. I, I would spend one day out of every weekend with her. And so when she fell and I moved in temporarily, um, I, as I say, I started to see things. But I, at that time, I didn't really have to do that much for her except, you know, make meals after a long commute. I'm an attorney, so I had a, you know, fairly, um, you know, stressful day. I watched Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune with her, but um, her cognitive abilities were really there. So I really didn't think about what might happen in, in future. And I honestly didn't realize that she was probably in very early stages of dementia at that point. I was wondering if you would share an excerpt of your book and... Uh... And I was, I don't, we didn't talk about it in advance. So is there a part of your book that you'd love to share with our listeners? Oh, I'd love to. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Okay. This is in my chapter four, which is um, parents' bodies and their bodily functions. And I should add that the arrangement of my book, it's from A to Z, but there's actually 40 chapters because there were certain things that, that I had duplicate letters. So I call some of them, this is actually chapter four, but it's B3. So, um, okay, this is, I'll start here. Do I have to say this was my mother? Remember as a child, if you lived near a beach in the Western Hemisphere, you were told that if you dug deep enough, you'd reach China. And do you also remember resolutely digging deeper and deeper with an impressive level of concentration? Well, <laughs> the depths and heights some parents reach into their bodily recesses to get to the buried treasure is roughly equivalent to a child's sand digging. <laughs> Be prepared. Your parents' fascination with their body's orifices will lead them to explore them to the point of making themselves bleed. Their noses, gums, and teeth are great favorites. To put a funny spin on it, perhaps they are engaging in what used to be a popular medical practice, bloodletting, which, just to trot out a useless piece of information, was widely practiced during Shakespeare's time. (laughs) And if you've considered strategically placing a toothpick or toothbrush within their easy reach to lessen their need to dig in. Give it up, please. (laughs) Spare yourself the wasted effort and toothpicks. They won't use it. (laughs) I think that's that's enough to give you a flavor of my book. (laughs) It it is. I I love that you picked that passage because um, at times, you know, I'd read a sentence and I would have to put it down because it felt close. It felt so close. So real. And so, uh, for instance, in chapter two, page five, and I don't know what letter that is, uh, there's our parents will do everything in their diminishing power to try to gain control over their ever changing lives. It makes sense. And Mm. I felt so many times reading this book that there would be sentences like that, that were really, they weren't, they weren't the funny sentences. They were the sincere ones. But wow, it makes sense really struck me hard. And then it was nice to read the paragraph about digging and China and body orifices because that's also reality and you have to get a little desensitized to it, it seems. And uh, it's good to be able to laugh about it some. Yeah. And also I I like, I appreciate you telling me that because I really wanted to maintain mom's sense of self and who she was, even as she declined in more appreciable ways. She had a personality. She had likes and dislikes. And she she had this dignity. And even if she wasn't a particularly dignified person, and not every older person is, you know, dignity is, is so much a part of who they were. 
we owe it to our parents to do that. I mean, they've got this life, this wealth of experience and lifetime of experiences. Each person is different. And it's a matter of like, it's in the Bible, it's respect for your parents. <laughs> so, I mean, only old fashioned, but I really believe in that. Sure thing. Um, as you've written and toured a bit with the book, I'm guessing that you're encountering a broader community of caregivers, like whether it's in your online conversations with them or in person. And I'm wondering if there's something that you think, I mean, there's probably lots of things, but if there's one thing in particular that we could be doing more of to support caregivers. Oh, that's a great question. Um, yes, I've been doing a lot of, um, I've been been on podcasts and Zooms, I have. And the thing that is very common, I would say, is the thinking, people think that they don't need help at first to do this. And they think it's a solo journey. And it and it, it can be very lonely and overwhelming. Um, because that's what I did. I mean, I you know, I had a sister that had recently retired or somewhat recently retired and worked very hard. And I said, you know, I want her to enjoy her retirement, even though I'm working full time. I'm not going to ask her to do things. You know, I didn't even let her know I needed her to do things. Big mistake. And and caregivers, um, you know, people that are doing caregivers or people that are in the professional caregiving space emphasize this. You must build a support system. And you have to start, if you're wise, you start to do it, you know, early. And even if you don't, by fits and starts, however you do it, do it, you know, um, you know, and, and this is something we, we talk about. So I think, I don't know if that answered your, your um, question with enough specificity, but I would say that is the most common thing. Yeah, I heard don't go it alone and 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 start now. <laughs> so yes. whether our yes. parents are facing dementia or not, Melissa, I think you and I need to get on the horn and and start building up this network. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe it could work like Murphy's Law, where if we have a sufficient network to become full time caregivers for our parents, they will age gracefully and not require it. Maybe, maybe that, it's like preventive medicine or something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. Ellen, I, I have a question for you. Sure, Melissa. I actually know your your daughter pretty well. Kim and I went to college together. We're good friends. As you were going through this experience with your mother, did you make any notes for your children, for Kim, about helping or caring for you when the time, if and when the time comes? Gosh, no. <laughs> Even though when I began caregiving my mom, um, I wasn't, I mean, you know, I was approaching, you know, my 60s, my 60s uh, you know, or even in my 60s. And in my Children have always told me I have the energy of somebody, you know, half my age. I like to think I look young, but, uh, you know, it depends on how the lighting is in the room. <laughs> you look great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thin and wiry. So, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have extra, you know, poundage holding me back, although I move slower because I actually had a fall and I'm very, you know, I'm very afraid of falling, but nothing, nothing at all in answer to your question. Absolutely nothing, which is, I guess unfortunate, except I did find something that was, uh, um, write down a list for your children of, you know, your assets. <laughs> I found that recently and I, there's a little booklet in something I had. Um, have I given it to my children? Have I filled it in yet? No. <laughs> I think that's typical. I think a lot of us, um, and I'm an attorney and, um, you know, I think that sometimes how we are in our professional lives and how we are in our personal lives is just so different. 
and how we view things. We don't view our lives or our parents' lives with a, um, a professional lens because I was an attorney who represented senior citizens and spoke to lots of experts. But let me tell you, when I started caregiving mom in a big way, did I draw upon that knowledge? Not really. <laughs> I was too stressed out. Yeah, it's happening to you then, right? It's not, it, it can't be um, at arm's length. Yeah, we're not objective about our own lives, no matter what walk of life we're in, no matter what our life and professional experiences have been. I didn't preview this next question in advance. I'm inspired to ask it, but I'm curious if you found you had enough support to keep your mom in the home. Yes, I did. And um, I will say this. Um, My mom had a very difficult and not a good childhood. So I kind of resolved. It was just very In my mind, from day one, I didn't want mom to go into a nursing home if I could prevent it. And mom had a doctor, her her primary care physician said to me, which I liked, he said, we're going to try to keep mom out of the hospital because at her age, if she goes into the hospital, she's not coming out. Okay, so we were on the same page about that. So um, little by little, as I realized I couldn't couldn't leave her home all day alone because I had this long commute that was not nearby and it was not nearby and somebody had to help her prepare lunch and just be with her. I first hired a companion who was with her X number of hours a day who sometimes, you know, would cancel because she had her own home and her appliances would break down. So that soon led to my finding someone else who was who was more a more comprehensive person there for longer hours and that's what i think um we end up doing is i forget what your your question exactly was i hope i'm addressing it which is that our support system has to grow with our parents needs so that as they have increasing needs be it that they are they have ambulation and physical problems um or and or and a lot of times it is and or they begin to have cognitive problems and dementia or some other form of judgment issues. They're going to need somebody with them all day. So you have to find people. So that support system grows. But by the same token, they're no longer if they were like my mother out in the world, she used to drive. She no longer drove. Uh, she couldn't go places. She liked shopping for groceries. She couldn't do that anymore unless I went with her. Um, so what, what you have to do is find replacements, social replacements. And my mother actually was a very solitary person, but I enrolled her in two different senior programs. And one, she just absolutely took to, and I have a picture if any, like, if I ever like didn't believe myself that this happened, she had a Halloween party and there's a picture (laughs) of her smiling broadly with this huge Halloween fright mask on, like this black (laughs) hair, like flowing all over the place. Mom, you know, I never saw my mother, you know, put on costumes except maybe in her younger years she had like a group of friends years and years ago so um she loved it and she you know came home with little tchotchkes she she painted she was not an arts and craftsy person and she loved the current events group in in so much as she could she was a little hard of hearing but didn't like wearing that hearing aid she participated and those really enhanced her life so i would say the support system grows and, and your parents' needs absolutely generally do grow through time. I heard a few things there. I mean, being resourceful, trying things that maybe they wouldn't have tried before, and also being in 
lockstep with your primary care in terms of ha- having somebody in the healthcare system who had the same goal that you had and having that stated explicitly so that they understood they had a partner in you caring for her who was committed to keeping her out of the hospital and off of the conveyor belt to long-term care. And you had a partner in them who was going to help you, you know, hopefully care for your mom through outpatient and, you know, clinic visits and not have to go to the hospital. That's great. Well, we, we've ended each one of our podcasts. I don't know if Melissa previewed with you that we're, we try to keep these kind of tight. So they're like bite-sized conversations for people. And we're really glad to have you today. We've ended all of our uh, interviews with this final question. What's something you know now that you wish you had known back when your journey of caregiving had just begun? I think I would have liked to have known and remembered, I should say, because I may have known this professionally, what some of the early signs of dementia were and recognize them in my own mother, which I didn't seem to be able to do. And I'm almost embarrassed to say by the time I took my mother to to a neurologist, it was clear she suffered from dementia. Uh, She'd fallen asleep in the waiting room and mom was never a person to fall asleep in a public place, right? And then when he asked her a very basic um, math question, which was if I had a dollar and I took away 13 cents of that dollar, how many cents would I be left with? And she couldn't do it. And that told me something. And and also things like she didn't know her address anymore. Now, by that time, I recognized she had dementia. But I think I might have taken her um, for a professional assessment earlier. Um, I don't know that it would have made a difference in the type of care I arranged for her. But it would have made my life less stress-laden because she kept declining and, you know, and I wasn't prepared for the level of decline by somebody who used to read three books a week and, you know, was very, very sharp and very, very smart. So that that's what I would say. Well, Ellen, it's it's clear that you've lived honoring your parents through these final years and through sharing your story with us and with so many others. We hope for you great success with your book. And we're um, so grateful to you for sharing this time with us. Well, thank you so much. And I just wanted to add that um, although my book, Why is Grandma Naked? Caring for Your Aging Parent is on Amazon. It's in all all of pretty much every space online where you can buy it in libraries, also um, in bookstores, I think upon request, or they may have it in, in the uh, bookstores. But, um, you know, people ask me, like, where can I get your book? I have it in, it's both in paperback and in ebook. And I am planning to have an audio book. We're working on it right now. So that's really <laughs> exciting. Listeners, for more information, check out Ellen at ellenrittberg.com. That's E-L-L-E-N R-I-T-T-B-E-R-G.com. We're taking a brief summer hiatus and we'll be back with you on August 5th. Well, that's it listeners for this week. Thank you for joining us for the Medicare meetup. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to tell us, share the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Arrera Health. That's A-U-R-R-E-R-A Health. If you have questions or thoughts about future guests, reach us at Medicare at herrerahealth.com. Finally, before we go, have you hugged your Medicare loved one today? No? Do it now. Hugs are back. Medicare is destination health coverage. We all end up here if we're lucky. 
but isolation isn't the destination we want for ourselves or anyone we love. So reach out, send a text or send mail. People love mail. And until next time, this has been Megan Melissa with your Medicare Meetup.